Welcome to Obsessed with Design, a show about what makes designers tick. My name's Josh Miles. I'm a designer, principal, and brand strategist at Miles Herndon, a branding agency in beautiful downtown Indianapolis. Today on Obsessed with Design, I chat with one of the principal designers at Adobe, Koi Vin. Koi was named as one of the 50 most influential designers in America by Fast Company. So I hope you will enjoy my conversation with Koi Vin. All right, guys, I'd like to welcome all the way from Adobe in New York, Koi Vin. Koi is a graphic designer, blogger, and former design director for the New York Times, where he worked from January 2006 until July of 2010. And Fast Company named Koi one of the 50 most influential designers in America. Today, he's the principal designer at Adobe, which I think is kind of like saying you're the meta designer of the universe. Koi, welcome to Obsessed with Design. <laughs> Thanks for having me. It's so great to be here. Yeah. So I think someone at Adobe found out about our show and maybe suggested we chat with you. So thanks in advance to both Adobe and Edelman for the introduction. Oh, thanks for looking out. Well, hey, I want to dig into the Adobe thing a lot, but um, maybe to begin, you could tell us a little bit about um, how you got started in the world of design and and what your origin story is. (laughs) Um, My origin story, I was bitten by a radioactive mouse. (laughs) (laughs) No, um, you know, as a kid, I loved drawing and and painting. And I went to art school thinking I would be some kind of painter or illustrator or something. But I stumbled into graphic design and started off my career early on doing print work, identity, brochures, etc. Then, you know, this is a long time ago. So the internet came along and I started building websites and got more and more immersed into what we used to call interactive design. And um, from there, I co-founded a studio and we did exclusively like web applications and, and interactive systems. And then after a few years there, I went to the New York Times, and from the New York Times, um, I did a startup that I sold and worked with some other startups and eventually found my way to Adobe about a year and a half ago. That's, that's my story in a nutshell. Wow, that, um, that sounds like a couple of different lifetimes worth of, <laughs> of jobs. Yeah. How did you find yourself going from your own practice to the times to a startup like that, that almost seems like an, an unlikely um, scenario of kind of transitions. How, how did that all transpire? Yeah. So when I was first learning about design, it was really before this explosion in the way design works today, where design is you know often an equal partner to business and technology at the time most young designers, what they could imagine for their career in terms of doing the best, the best possible work, the most creative work, tackling the most interesting challenges, um, you know, that path led to, um, to the services model where you you have a studio or an agency and you work with lots of different clients and you do all kinds of different projects and, and, um, and, 
you know, life is, is always different depending on the kinds of clients that you work with. Um, and so I sort of made my way in design with that sort of model in mind. And as the internet came along, I just sort of applied that kind of thinking to the, the web world of the early 2000s. And it, it made some sense then, but the more time I spent working on applications, not just, uh, you know, websites or brochures or, or communications oriented stuff, the more time I spent working on systems that react to the way people behave and what their inputs are and, and things that, that help people accomplish goals, the more I realized that I was really truly drawn to product design, essentially. And I was drawn to, to working um, in a specific industry for a specific company on, a, on an ongoing basis to sort of evolve digital products along with the customers. And I just happened to be lucky enough to know some folks at the New York Times who were then looking to um, sort of double down on their digital strategy and, um, and really expand NewYorkTimes.com online. And they wanted a, a new uh, leader of their design team to help them do that. And I went in not taking the opportunity too seriously, but was really, really impressed by what I heard and really intrigued by the opportunity and realized that going, you know, quote unquote client side or product side is was the right decision for me. And it was a really great experience. I spent almost five years there, um, really learning a lot about journalism, um, working with editors and reporters to help them understand um, the digital world and, and how digital products work. Um, but working in a huge, a huge company that was like 150 years old, you know, has its challenges. And, and I had always known that I was a designer first and a journalist second. As much as I really respected and admired journalism, I was always really interested in journalism as a design problem. And at some point, I decided that I wanted to go and, and try my hand at startups and and thinking about different problems aside from journalism. And so um, uh, in 2010, I, I decided to strike out on my own and raise a little bit of money. I built a product called Mixel and um, I met with some success, but not enough to keep us going. Um, but we were lucky to, to get a good exit. And um, I really enjoyed the startup world and just have stayed in it. Even though I'm in Adobe now, I still think of many of the things that we're doing in Adobe as, as very startup in nature. Um, and I sort of feel really comfortable facing these kinds of challenges right now. I think that's, that's a pretty incredible journey, really. Thank you. I'm curious what, what today being a principal designer at Adobe means and looks like. I mean, you've kind of implied that you got more into the product design side of things. I'm, you know, being a designer who's designing for design software, I think is just kind of a, <laughs> kind of a mind blowing concept because it's, uh, it's, you know, the tools and the interfaces that so many designers interact with and depend on every day. So I'm just kind of curious what your typical day looks like and, you know, how much of that is, 
you know, stuck in meetings or on phone calls or emails and how much of that is really like heads down working on projects or, uh, you know, interfacing with, with developers or whatnot. Sure. First, I, I think you're absolutely right. It, it is kind of a mind blowing experience to be designing things for other designers. I, I regard it as like a real privilege to be working on tools that will sort of materially affect and potentially change the way that people like me, like all over the world, spend their days. So uh, we, we all take that responsibility really seriously here and, and understand that in many ways we're held to like a higher bar than you know, if we were designing for, for other kinds of customers. Um, most of my days are spent um, working on, on product working with other designers, with product managers, with technologists, thinking about new features, how we can make them simpler and better and more powerful, figuring out roadmaps, how we can get this stuff built by a certain time, um, and also thinking about what happens after we get it built. What happens on the, the marketing side? How do we get our word out? How do we help people understand what we're trying to do or the change that we're trying to affect in the world and how it's valuable to them and, and how they can participate and, and also setting up infrastructures for how like their feedback, the, the way they use it can then get looped back into the product development process. Um, so it's, it's pretty, pretty varied. It's product centric, but we try to, take a more expansive view of what we're doing than just quote unquote, just designing like an interface. So is, is Adobe um, the type of place that, well, let me back up a little bit. So I I've seen some in-house design teams where they really view uh, the different departments or products as almost like internal clients. So where a designer there might view them um maybe in less of a partnering kind of atmosphere. And in other times, I think it works really great that, you know, instead of the designer being pulled apart by different teams and different groups from all angles, that it's like, uh, it's understood that, okay, if you're using my time, then we sort of have to bill against that. But I'm, I'm just kind of curious how, what, you know, what that, um, uh, that belief or that sure. framework is at Adobe. Sure. We, we don't, we don't have sort of like a client services arrangement inside Adobe. We do have a centralized design team and that's so that we can maximize like design culture and communication between designers and then help promote consistency, especially when you know, two or more designers are solving very similar problems across different products. But we don't, you know, mark time against various projects or, or products. Um, instead, you know, we look at, at the arrangement um, as a, a real partnership or a collaboration. Like designers are in some ways embedded with their teams. They're talking to their counterparts in product management and engineering and, and product marketing you know, every day and thinking about how to push the product forward, not just how to to push the design agenda or how to to make the product owners happy. So there's 
a bit of a, a hybrid approach there because we're centralized, but at the same time, you know, we really regard designers as, as being fully fledged members of each product team. So how many people are there at Adobe who are, you know, sort of in the same position that you're in or how many um, designers might get assigned to a particular product team? It really depends on the size of the product or where it is in its life cycle. Like, you know, a product like Photoshop has many, many designers and some of our younger products that have only a handful of designers. So we really sort of scale it to, to the, the needs of that particular product at that particular time and also its, its audience and its, its opportunity in the marketplace. But there are a lot of designers here to answer your question more simply. There, there's a really good design culture. Cool. And then you are based in New York, right? Or you're you're in New York today? I'm not sure which that is. I'm based in New York. Yes. Okay. And how um, how many of the products or teams are based in New York? So this is a smaller office than what we have in San Francisco or San Jose, but it's really growing. We have two pretty big floors right near Union Square here in New York. I'm terrible with, number, with numbers, but I would imagine there's you know, 100, 150 people here. I work with about five or six other designers immediately, and there's maybe two or three times more, two or three times as many designers in total here. Um, and we're growing um, all the time. And we're adding designers, not just in San Francisco or, or San Jose, but also here in New York. So I, I imagine a year from now, we'll have, we'll have grown by you know, maybe another half dozen people. Awesome. Yeah. I, so prior to jumping on this call, admittedly, I was totally thinking of you guys just being on the West coast. I didn't even realize that Adobe had a New York office, so that's that's very cool. It's a relatively new office, and most people assume that everything that Adobe does happens out west. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, we have offices um, all over. Actually, we have offices, um, you know, in India even. So it's it's a pretty pretty global company, and they're they're pretty good about. Um, having teams that are distributed. I mean, I work a lot with people in San Francisco and San Jose. And so I, I travel many times a year to, to be out there, um, but they come out here as well. What do you find um, are some of your favorite things to work on right now? Favorite things to work on. Well, I'm really, I'm really immersed in, thinking about Adobe XD right now, which is our new end-to-end UX UI design and prototyping tool. And mm-hmm. so I'm thinking a lot about, about the problems that product designers um, and, and web designers and app designers face every day. And uh, particularly how to take advantage of, of the cloud, how to leverage all the benefits that come from from saving your work to the cloud will confer on designers' workflow. Um, we debuted some of these ideas and some of the thinking at our Adobe Max conference several weeks ago. Um, ideas like automatically saving your version history or inviting other people to collaborate with you on a document in real time or you know, using you know machine learning to 
to extract or, or identify commonly used elements um, in a document. Um, there's lots of different ideas like that at various stages of development. They're all sort of predicated on maximizing, you know, the the power of the cloud and of you know new new technologies, new new ways of thinking about the design workflow. So that's the stuff that's really energizing me at the moment. And so you're working specifically on the Adobe XD product design side of it? Yes, right now. That's right. Again, sort of in the category of mind blowing or super meta, like how do you find yourself thinking about the the UX and UI or product features of a tool that is designed to help you design product features? Yeah, it's it can be it can be difficult because on the one hand, sort of instinctually, you know a lot about the subject matter, and so you're you're maybe more uh, more qualified than than in any other, other situations to make some assumptions about what users want. Mm-hmm. On, on the other hand it still remains true that in some ways the designer knows the least about how the product that they're designing should work. And so we, we are, we try to be very, very vigilant in terms of talking to customers, putting our ideas in front of customers on a regular basis, learning from how they're using existing tools today, how they're thinking about the tools that are starting to emerge. So it's, it's a combination of, of gut instinct and careful listening and, and learning from you know, the people who use our tools. What do you feel like is maybe something that people don't think about when they think about Adobe? I think one of Adobe's challenges is that, that people think about Photoshop, Illustrator, InDesign, Premiere, like our big marquee products, mm-hmm. first of all. And they, don't, they don't realize often that there's a ton of innovation happening here and that you know there are new products that I, I think represent really groundbreaking ways of thinking about the, the creative like workflow or the, or, or, or the way creative solve problems. I think Adobe XD is a great example of that, but we've also been doing tons of really interesting work on mobile and thinking about the next platforms for creativity beyond, you know, beyond desktops and laptops. We've built a really robust ecosystem for doing work on tablets and phones. We have an app called Capture that helps you basically take a snapshot of the real world and turn it into a usable asset or pattern or, or vector object for design like instantly. And we have apps like comp, which lets you design really precise ways with just a few gestures on a touch screen on your tablet or your phone. And we have apps like, um, Adobe, um, uh, I'm sorry, like, uh, Photoshop, sketch and um and draw which are really powerful natural media drawing tools that are really super easy to use so all of that new innovation sometimes 
gets lost in the shuffle of the, the focus on our on our you know big marquee products. Um, but there's there's a ton of really interesting stuff happening there, and and we find that the more people get exposed to them, the more delighted they are by all the, the new stuff that we're building. So I'm curious if, um, and if you can't tell me about this, that's totally fine, but (laughs) I've heard other designers sort of muse that it feels like sometimes Adobe releases apps or, um, things that are almost just like to test out a feature or something that maybe (laughs) will eventually just get baked right into illustrator or Photoshop or one of the other, you know, quote unquote, uh, bigger pieces of software that they have, because sometimes, an app will show up and then, you know, six months later or something, it's gone. And I'm just kind of curious what the philosophy is uh, on innovation. I mean, clearly there's not any, doesn't seem to be any big speed bumps to releasing new things and trying new stuff. I'm just kind of curious how that all kind of works into the the product roadmap. Yeah, that's a great question. And there's a complex answer with a lot of nuances. I think first it's true that we've had a lot of apps, especially in the mobile space, that have come and gone. And um, it's also true that a lot of features eventually get rolled into our big marquee apps like Photoshop and Illustrator. I think what you're seeing there is both the company's you know, you know, um, commitment to continuing to um, make those big apps like Photoshop and Illustrator are more and more useful to customers. And at the same time, it's, it's um, commitment to innovating at a smaller scale with smaller apps to see, to see how, you know, new, new workflows, new ways of thinking about solving problems um, are emerging and, and trying to, to influence that evolution and, and participate in it. Lately, however, with apps like Adobe XD, I think what we've tried to do is say that design and, and, and illustration and creative professions of all sorts have really evolved so much in the past several decades that it's, it's no longer sufficient just to continue to evolve Photoshop or Illustrator, et cetera. Like we, we need to take a stab at some new ways of thinking, new ways of working. Like the mm-hmm. challenge of designing websites and apps just wasn't, you know, wasn't prevalent at all you know, 20 years ago. And now it's become a, a, a real source of, uh, of interesting ideas and tons of people are drawn to it. And there's lots of really unique thinking that's something like what people do in some of our other assets, but there's, it's not exactly the right fit. So, you know, we've really tried to start afresh with apps like Adobe XD. And we also announced an interesting project at Max called Felix, which takes a combination, takes a, a really interesting approach to how to combine design thinking with 3d modeling. So you know, we're, we're continuing to experiment and evolve and trying to, to be mindful of the, the apps are, they're doing, they're, they're doing heavy duty work on a daily basis right now. And also trying to plan for the future at the same time. Well, I have to think when you have the added challenge of, um, you know, maybe that you don't have to go too far back 
to designers working on, you know, medium size CRT monitors that were not high def and slow machines with not much processing power and, you know, single button mouse. Uh, and today we've got, you know, just in the last few weeks, we've introduced this thing called the touch bar and we've got touch screens and pencils and, you know, all these other hardware tools that I think are maybe change, uh, what's possible on the, how you physically interact with the software. And I got to think that that goes hand in hand with the innovations that you guys are looking at from the software design too. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we're, we're really actively trying to anticipate how things are going to evolve and influence it at the same time. We know that a mouse and a keyboard and a screen by themselves, probably that's probably not going to be the setup that you have in five or 10 years. You might mm-hmm. have something different. And we want Adobe to, to create solutions that will hold for the next 30 years as well as they have for the past 30 years. Yeah. It's uh, it's interesting to think about, you know, how, how the experience of designing even maybe totally different, uh, in, in the really near time with things like VR, you know, will, will authoring happen inside of these VR environments or will it just be games and experiences that are had inside of that? Yeah. yeah. Thinking to the, uh, I think it was the scene in inception when they're kind of creating the skyline and the, <laughs> the world and just kind of standing around and waving their hands and making buildings show up. Like, yeah. I wonder how far we are from that kind of experience. Yeah, I mean, VR is like a really dramatic example of how authoring could change in a really, really exciting form. Um, But we're also thinking about like how how big data might change the way you make decisions, you know, in in a slightly less like dramatic fashion, but but still really interesting way. Like choosing colors could be something that you know there's real true truly intelligent collaborative filtering could help you, you know, like, you know, assemble a color palette in a completely different way or make type selections or even do like layouts or um, plan for responsive behavior, et cetera, et cetera. So there's lots of ways that, that the traditional methods of doing design are going to be transformed in the coming years. Cool. Well, maybe to uh, shift gears from predicting the future, maybe you could talk a little bit about the past and tell us about one of your proudest moments as a designer. Sure. Like, I, I don't know if I, I could point to any single big moment. Like I've, I've, um, I'm always really happy to see people using our using anything that I build in the real world. And I remember when I was at the New York Times and we were working on an early mobile product and the iPhone had just come out and we had worked with Apple to get the New York Times app on that platform and riding the subway into town and seeing somebody using that first 1.0 version of the New York Times app on iPhone, that really gave me a thrill. It, it showed me that that's something that I had designed and that we had worked on really hard was finding a place in somebody's life. Like they had sort of, you know, uh, pulled it out on the subway instead of taking along a newspaper. And um, 
that was that was really fun, really special moment for me. How about do you have any um, particular design heroes? Yeah, I've always been a fan of Massimo Vignelli, mm-hmm. a quintessential modernist. He worked here in New York for many years and passed away not too long ago. Uh, and I always return to his work. I have um, some books of his that are a continual source of inspiration for me, regardless of the kinds of design problems that I'm working on or, or the platforms or the technologies. It's always some, there's always something useful to find when I go back and, and look at Vignelli's work. Yeah, he is. Uh, his work will forever, I think, be that kind of classic <laughs> modernist uh, example. Just love his stuff. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, I ask everybody who's been on the show, so I'll ask you as well. Um, but I think designers are typically obsessed with, with many things. Maybe it's just our, our personal personality type, but what would you say that you are most obsessed with right now? Right now, I think I'm just sort of preoccupied by all of the implications of storing your work, doing your work in the cloud. I think there's some really interesting products out there. There's some interesting ideas working around here at Adobe. I'm, I'm, I'm really so impressed by the work that a company called Figma has done in terms of building a, a design environment in the browser. Um, you know, I have, you know, there's some questions about whether designers really want to work in the browser, but I think they have really done some exciting things about they've done some exciting things in terms of getting people to to at least question their the requirement that you have all your design files on your hard drive with you the idea that you can have it all in the browser and mm-hmm. they have called multiplayer editing which i think is super interesting and and they have um you know you can sit down at any computer and get access to, to your work i think that's that's um, that's the future to me, and thinking a lot about how that kind of approach can impact and and um, you know evolve the way designers work and think about their about their craft and and how they work with others. I have to think when you have the examples of you know of course these are lighter weight applications, but when you've got things like you know Google's drive suite and Microsoft, um, has all of their office, you know, cloud and virtualized now that, that Adobe perhaps is not too far behind with, uh, figuring out how to have all these experiences in the cloud as well. You know, if you use any of our mobile apps, we're already doing that. You can, you know, design something in Adobe comp on your phone Mm-hmm. Sit down um, on your couch with a tablet, open up the exact same project, keep working on it, you know, shift it to your desktop, open up an Illustrator or Photoshop, um, and it opens up instantly. You don't even have to go and find it in the Finder. Um, all of that stuff happens right now, and it's seamless. So, yeah, we're, I wouldn't say we're behind at all. I think we're, we're doing stuff that nobody else is doing in terms of building out systems um, for, for design tools um, instead of just design tools that, that sit, um, you know, isolated on your hard drive. Like our, some, some of our software packages truly span 
multiple devices and, and platforms and operating systems. Very nice. Well, I, and it'll be interesting to see as that uh, comes to the full uh, desktop experience as well. Yeah, I think there's a lot of interesting stuff coming down the pike. So I have to imagine that uh, as someone who's worked at, <laughs> at the New York Times and been on uh, Fast Company's influential designers list that um, maybe you've checked a lot of these boxes already, but I'm curious if you have any dream projects that you'd still like to do in the future. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, I don't know if I'm getting any closer to this, but I would love to... to design the website and app experience for the New York subway system. Mm. I've always wanted to do that. Speaking of Massimo Vignelli. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think there's so much that can be done with today's technology to make an incredibly complex, but very, very powerful transport system a lot easier and, and more transparent to to tourists and people who've just moved here and even people like myself who've been in New York a long time, like the experience of finding out information about public transport could be so much, so much better in general. Yeah, I would, I would definitely agree with that. I, you know, as someone who's based in the Midwest, we don't have this huge, you know, public transit network here in Indianapolis, but when we go to visit places, I always love investigating like, okay, they've got train here or a light rail or a subway or buses or whatever. And it, it feels like you have to like crack the code so often to figure out how to use another city's mass transit system sometimes. So I think, uh, you know, if designers could get their hands on how to do a great job of creating that interactive experience to figure it out, man, that'd be, that'd be awesome, especially for visitors and new, new residents and tourists. I do want to give a shout out to, there's this one company, or app, I don't know the name of the company, it's an app called City Mapper, which has kind of solved this problem in many ways. Like if you land in a new city, you can open, open up City Mapper and just tell it where you want to go and it will show you the various modes of public transport that are available to you. And they've done a really, really good job. I think, I think there's a lot more improvement in general that can be made um, because you need cooperation from the transit systems as well. But I think City Mapper does a great job at that. Yeah. And I think even like Google maps does a pretty solid job of telling you how to walk to a subway station and which, you know, which line to jump on. But, but I, I look forward to seeing the Koivin version of the, <laughs> the subway app. Yeah. Just hope I'm not on a deadline. <laughs> you know, I, another question that I love asking our guests is, I feel like a lot of times designers uh, either feel blessed or cursed and that the way we view the world around us is just we see things that other people don't see. So I'm curious what is like driving you absolutely crazy that you see all the time right now or what things kind of kind of make you turn your head in a funny way. Oh, all kinds of stuff. I mean, I'm a stickler for capitalization, especially in title case, mm -hmm. making sure that you're, you're capitalizing the right words and not capitalizing the, the right words. So <laughs> that always gives me pause when I see, see a sign that has, you know, it says, um, 
um, I'm trying to think of an example. It says um, something like, you know, pull here for instructions or something. And the word F is capitalized. There are many different ways of thinking about style, but for, for some reason, I just don't believe the word F should be, I mean, the letter F should be uh, capitalized in that word. <laughs> so. Absolutely. I, I think, you know, we do a lot of work with, um, in the B2B space. And so I think for whatever reason, maybe they, maybe they teach this in technical writing school, but sometimes you'll get back copy where all of the nouns are capitalized, whether they're, they're proper or not. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but I definitely feel you on that. Yeah. So out of all the places you've worked and all the, you know, designers who've kind of mentored you and other designers that you've been able to mentor as well. What do you feel like is your favorite piece of advice that you've received or maybe your best piece of advice to pass on to younger designers? Uh, I had a, an art director or design director that I was working on a project with once. He said, what makes us designers is we try different things. And that really resonated with me. Mm. I mean, you could say that about a lot of things, but, but for me, it meant as a designer, part of your job is not just to accept the answer that is given to you or the answer that is dictated to you by requirements or by a client or by you know, current fashion or trend. It's always try something different. And he said, you know, what what makes us designers is we try different things and try to understand what works about them and what doesn't work. Really try to understand the why of their success or their failure. And that I think is really, really a good thing to keep in mind as a designer. You're not just there to, to execute the expected. Sometimes that can be very powerful. You're there to, to understand why the best solution is really the best solution. Yeah. And I think that, um, that implies to me, not so much the, the designer doesn't know what the solution is. And so here's a bunch of ideas and you pick one, but it, to me, it says more about that the designer's job is to explore the options and then come back with what the solution is. That's right. Yes. Koi, I've really enjoyed getting to chat with you today, and uh, I know you've got a lot of other things going on today. So before we let you go, um, maybe tell us a little bit about where our listeners can find you online, uh, can learn more about you and your work, or maybe uh, check out what's coming with Adobe XD. Sure. You can find me at my website, subtraction.com, just spell out the word subtraction. And I'm on Twitter at, at Koi, K-H-O-I. Very nice. Well, Koi, I appreciate uh, chatting with you today and uh, thank you for not only being on the show, but also thank you for being obsessed with design. All right, guys, that's episode number 45 in the books. Thank you so much for being a listener of this show and for helping us grow this audience. Do me a favor this week. I've asked you to do this before, but I'm going to really mean it this time. I want you to reach out to some of your favorite design friends and ask them if they've listened to Obsessed with Design, and I'd like you to recommend your favorite episode. Let them know which conversation you feel like was most meaningful or most impactful to you. 
We love bringing on new listeners and we love growing our audience. So thank you so much for taking me up on the challenge this week. Obsessed with Design is a product of the Design Obsessed team at Miles Herndon, a branding agency located on the 13th floor of downtown Indianapolis in Circle Tower. Hit us up on Instagram this week at Miles Herndon. Our intro music is Matchbox Girl by Cassie Joe, and our show is always edited by the talented Jen Eds at the Brassy Broadcast Company. Visit BrassyBroad.com for more. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.